Join us each week as Andrew, Ray, and others bring us in on one of their weekly phone conversations with an amazing agent. This is Little Oak Weekly. All right. How's everybody doing out there? Asking questions, can't hear your responses, no big deal. But I'm very excited for today's guest, Marty Peters, uh, one of our commercial agents licensed out of our Fort Langley office. Marty's just a sweet dude. I really like him. Uh, he's got a cool story. Uh, real estate is a second career, well, maybe at least second career. I'm not sure we'll find out today, but I know it's not his first career path. And he's really, he's made a mark in the, uh, in the Fraser Valley commercial world. Primarily, I think Abbotsford, but I don't want to say that. Maybe that's a little bit incorrect, but uh, he does really well. He's a wealth of information. Uh, I've worked with him myself um, on some transactions. He's just a really good guy. Um, I think he really knows what he's doing. So got him coming on the show. We're going to pick his brain, chat about all things commercial, and probably learn quite a lot, I would think. Hey, Andrew. My friend. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm. Uh, I'm in air conditioning, which is good. It's a hot one. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. Let me uh, let me enlighten you quickly on my day. It's been uh, been one of the days where you do you, you, know, do you want me do you want me recording this or not recording this? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You can record this. This is awesome. Uh, this is all part of the fun. Let, let her buck, man. What did you do wrong? <laughs> <laughs> so I get a I get a call that somebody. Uh, broke into one of our buildings downtown oh. and to go check it out and so I mean obviously you know me Andrew I'm pretty uh pretty intimidating pretty pretty large presence yeah you're the you're the you're the scariest <laughs> sub six foot person I've ever met <laughs> for sure <laughs> top of the list if you ever had an intimidating process you're gonna go into so so I uh I go down to the building and I sure enough there's like people in the building and I just shown it last Thursday and it was oh, vacant boy. so I yeah didn't know what I was going to get into, so I thought, well, I better better not go in. And so cops came, and there's a, a lady in there who just swore that she, this was her house, and this is not a it's not a commercial building anymore. It's a residential house, and um, just started, <laughs> looks at me outside, a bunch of swear words, and and then throws out, "Who is this clown outside?" And <laughs> they called you. Someone called you a clown. <laughs> Oh yeah, she called me a clown. Who is this guy? That's amazing. And, uh, yeah. Cops are like, don't worry about him. He's just a realtor doing his job. Did you oh, immediately follow up with, "Do you know who I am? Do you know who you're talking to?" <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it, but I just thought, no, no, I'll just let it go. And yeah, she just swearing up, got right in my face at one point, swearing up and down. And, oh. you know, what's my name? And oh yeah, it was it was pretty good. So, okay, anyways, so that wraps up Commercial Real Estate 101. Yeah. Thank you for joining <laughs> us today. <laughs> if nothing else, uh, yeah, it scares you. That will scare you. So, oh. anyways, yeah, good time. So this, th- that, where is this building? Or you, maybe you shouldn't say, but it, it was, is it like, da- you said like Vancouver? Uh, I'll say downtown Abbotsford. Oh, downtown Abbotsford. You said yeah. downtown yeah. Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it, got it. Yeah. Amazing. No, downtown Vancouver, that would be a daily occurrence. Yeah. Sure, so. so it was just, it was a break-in in the night kind of thing? Is that what it ended up being or what? Well, I, I think she'd been there probably a couple of days. Like, she <laughs> she'd set up an apple juice container in the middle of the floor and put leaves in there that were kind of bright and colorful. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so she had kind of staged it. And I mean, the, the nice part is that she didn't trash it. She uh, 
legit in her mind thought that it was her house. Why would she so. trash it? It's her house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she just needs a screwdriver to get into her house. That's all. Yeah. Oh so, my goodness. Yeah. That's <laughs> pretty funny. That's, anyway, is that, so that's is that like day. a is that a first time or have you had that happen before? Uh, I've had some zingers in my day. But that's the first time I've dealt with a B and E. That's for sure. So, uh, but most of ours pretty secure. And yeah, they generally wouldn't try to break in. But this was just a unique one. Had all the you know perfect mess type thing. Uh, not well lit and uh, had an alley access. So you know she just broke in through the alley and was able to smash through what she could. So. Uh, she definitely spent some time getting through that lock, though. There, she uh, she was there for a couple hours, I'm sure. But yeah, two two broken drill bits and screwdrivers, and yeah, oh. good. So yeah. she's uh, she she's comfortable with tools, is what you're saying. Bit of a yeah, bit of a home fix it gal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> she'd uh, she, she's got a little side business, I'm sure. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> well, that's that's quite the day. That, yeah, that consumed most of your day, or how much of your day? Uh, that seemed entirely way too much. I'm not going to lie, but, uh, wow. almost to the point where I said we might have to cancel this. And I, but I know that, uh, yeah, we got to get this done. So, you know, I kind of had <laughs> that, I kind of had that thought you were going to call and bail on me, but you know, I, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad we're here doing it. Yeah, absolutely. For the, uh, well, I mean, now you've got listener engagement is through the roof just based on your first story there. So now that you've got everyone's <laughs> attention, sure. why don't you, uh, how would you, do, I, I actually did a bit of an intro to having you on that you know whatever it wasn't much but i was just trying to tell people a little bit about you and then i i kind of fumbled over my words thinking this is a second career for you i think and maybe it's maybe maybe it's a third career it's a second career for sure that i'm aware of um but maybe how would you put your if you had to describe your career path in words what would you what would you say what would be your elevator pitch in terms of where you came from and where you are today yeah, so I came from a construction background. So um, I, in my early 20s, I got I got into management early. I had a company that took a risk on me being a project manager well before I had any experience to be a project manager. Uh, so I actually did a lot of construction for the Overweighty Food Group. So I used to travel around BC uh, converting Price Marts to Coopers and Coopers to Price Marts and Price Marts back to Savons and all that. Uh, so I did that uh, management of uh, construction sites. I don't know how long. It was probably about four or five years, somewhere in that range. Did they know that you weren't very good at math when they hired you? or? Yeah, yeah. They they just, uh, I mean, I had some, you know, I've been training and a bunch of other no, little things, I but said, nothing major. Did they right? know and that you weren't good at math when they hired you? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. I said, hey, I know how to use a calculator and I can talk to people. And they're like, okay, great, you're hired. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I know they definitely took a risk, and I'm thankful that they did because it gave me a truckload of experience um, dealing with that. And and it was yeah, it was just good life experience. I was in my like I said early 20s when I got started in that and traveled all over and you know got to see the the fact that I definitely didn't want to be a trade for the rest of my life. It's uh, was just not for everybody. But uh, you know, again, the management was nice. It was on the, the dealing more with the the managers of all the trades and coordinating schedules and trying to make sure you're on time with everything. And uh, and then when Patterson stopped acquiring properties and stopped basically putting money into his properties for no reason, because a lot of the times we're converting save-ons and uh, price marks and all that for, for no reason. Right. So I, once he stopped uh, acquiring properties and, and doing those, then uh, I got laid off. And it was at that time that uh, I got picked up by a millwork company here in town. And 
I went from a general contractor perspective down to just a single trade. So I was looking after architectural millwork. And for me, having the background of being a general contractor, I could foresee the issues coming up well in advance. Um, so it was a great asset to the to the group that I had come on board with. And so I quickly climbed the ladder there, uh, looked after the commercial division there for about six years. And uh, so I thought, what could I do with all my commercial contacts and my background and tenant improvements and that sort of thing? What could I do that would make sense? So I actually ran into Charles at the air show uh, one year in the VIP section. Yeah, we we had known each other previously. And he had brought me out to a few of his tenant improvement meetings and watched me interact with his clients. And were I, you were you there with your old company at the air show? Or like what? what? <laughs> I was, yeah. <laughs> or are you are you just a bit of a flyboy? You just hang out those events. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do like the air show. I'm not going to lie. I do love love the air show. But uh, yeah, I was definitely there on their dime, which was even better, actually, in a way. But uh, <laughs> so I ended up running into Charles. I uh, I pitched to him that, hey, look, I don't know if this would go anywhere, but I would love to chat about commercial real estate with you. And I knew a few other players that did commercial, Todd Bond, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I tried to, to go out with him as well. And uh, anyways, I ended up connecting with Charles and um, we had a bunch of meetings and it was about seven months or so after that, that uh, I finally made the switch over uh, to work with him. and. Here we are, whatever it's been, seven, almost eight years, I guess, or yeah, seven and a half years. So. Where in that, I, 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 you and I have discussed this before, but where in that time frame did you and I bump into each other while you're looking at property? And I, <laughs> and I believe I said, Marty, don't get into commercial real estate. <laughs> do, I think I said do residential. I think I, it's not that yeah, I didn't say you, don't do real estate. I said, do residential, don't do commercial. So I was like just peeing on your fire, like just <laughs> killing your well, dreams. <laughs> to be honest, I mean, you were being real, which I appreciated. I, I was uh, well under my way of trying to get light at that point. So I was in the middle of all my courses. Right, so it was terrible timing. My comments were terrible timing. <laughs> <laughs> I had already committed that I was going to do it. And yeah, and I, I'd been told it'd be a rough road. So I'd been prepared for that. And then when I chatted with you, yeah, you were... Definitely reiterating the fact that it's not an easy road to go down to get respect in this world. Uh, you know what? It's just not not a quick way to to generate income. So the cash flow is going to be lacking. You're very transparent with that. It was, it's hard to get yeah. going. And you know, yeah. I'm looking at you, young family, kids, blah blah blah. And I was thinking, yeah. it's definitely not going to be the quickest path to cash. Residential yeah. would have been a way quicker path to cash. Yep, I. Uh... I, and I'm not going to lie, I was tempted a few times to switch over and I thought, no, I'm, I'm going to get through this. But uh, I mean, when we had a bunch of dynamics of life going on, we had, you know, I sold the house that I lived in, uh, switched to a, ended up switching to a rental instead of buying another property. We were looking at downsizing at one point, uh, which is why I was looking with you there in Chilliwack. Yeah. We ended up just going totally different routes and renting, which was such a blessing in disguise because we had a bunch of other life dynamics with our family that would eventually kick in that I didn't know about at the time. and. Mm-hmm. So I essentially sold my house, left my job, and had a bunch of other things all within this five-month period that uh, aged me pretty quick, and I had no cash flow. So it was, uh, it wasn't, yeah, basically the first year, I mean, I'll be probably way more transparent than I should be, but I think the first year I grossed like 28000 It That's was unbelievable. Uh, It was so nothing. you changed careers. You're making six figures where you were, right? Like yeah. you had a good paying job where you were. Yeah, You left, totally. you got into real estate. You and then I mean, not that I'm I don't want to 
drag you into stuff that's too personal here, but then you got some health diagnosis for your children or two at your girl. Yes. That that all came at the same time, or how did, where, where yeah. did that come in the in the order? It was within five months. So August well, I sold my house. September Kenzie was diagnosed. October uh, Jessica was diagnosed, and I had left my other job in July. So I mean, within that time, it's uh, I had my entire life was thrown upside down. Welcome to real estate, Marty. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite something, and I mean, obviously, if I had known all that, I probably would still be a project manager somewhere. I, w- I wouldn't have made that jump. Yeah, totally. But I think there's the element of, uh, I mean, call it what you will. I, I'm a I'm a short guy that's made it through life being mocked my whole life, right? Like there's there's always that kind of which has shaped my character to who I am today. Because now I roll with it, I just make fun of myself before other people can. But mm-hmm. I think there's always a bit of a chip on my shoulder, and that uh, yeah, you know, you're 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 not going to make it in this world or in this thing. And uh, so real estate was the same way. And I mean, I'm, I'm good with people. I knew that. Uh, and I just knew failure wasn't an option. So hmm. it was a, it was a hard path and definitely wouldn't recommend uh, the way that I did it. <laughs> but uh, now here, obviously on the other side of things, it's been quite a journey, but it was, it's also shaped a lot of who I am and, created a much more generous version of myself here in the in these years and giving myself the ability to to do that and the priorities and of things that I thought were important seven, eight years ago are very different today. So yeah, it's just I don't know. I, I don't know that I would trade it, even though I mean obviously I'd love my daughters not to go through what they went through, but mm-hmm. I would other than that, like it's really shaped who I am and I'm in a sense very happy that I went through that. You what year did you get licensed? Was it two thousand and fourteen? Uh, 2014. Yeah. Like you entered into what was a very challenging commercial market. Yeah. Right. Like that's what I remember that time. I remember the residential was starting to pick up in 14 and then 15 got better, but commercial didn't really kind of take off till what, 16? That's right. Yeah. Like it was, it was still slow in 14, 15. That's right. Yeah. It was like, it wasn't smoking busy, but on the other, uh, on the flip side of that too, I had Charles at that time, who was my mentor slash, um, you know, we, we weren't business partners yet, but, uh, yeah, he was my mentor and he was the president of the real estate board. And, uh, that was the year they were trying to amalgamate all the boards. Oh, and, yeah, he yeah. just went through the ringer that year. So oh, yeah, he got crucified. You know, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. And so he's going through that and and he's got this rookie on the other side of him that's just baptism by fire. Like I just had to figure it out, which um, in a lot of ways was overwhelming and good at the same time. So yeah, so that was quite quite those couple of years there as I was coming in that when Charles was going through all that and thankfully the, the board stuff is behind us a bit now. Yeah, he was was he was he prez that year? Or was yeah, he, he was he was prez yeah. and they were dealing with that. That's right. Yeah, that yeah. was a I remember going to some of those meetings. It was just like, holy, oh, the emotions in those rooms. Yeah, it was pretty, uh, pretty hard on them for sure. Yeah, so, yeah. So you're seven, yeah, seven years in then, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. So let's let's yeah. dive into um, let's dive into some some commercial some commercial uh, dialect, if you will. Can you break down? Let's talk about cap rates and okay. what they are, how to come up with them, and how they impact purchases or if we want to say rates of capitalization whoever wanted to find that um can you dig into that a little bit explain what it is and just educate us a bit sure so on the commercial side of uh real estate you're looking a lot at 
cash flow. And essentially, when a buyer is purchasing a property, they're buying a cash flow. And so a property value is either increased or decreased if it's occupied by a tenant. Uh, the, the, the value is created by what the net operating income is. So uh, if someone leases a property that's undervalued, they're actually devaluing the property because that net bottom number has gone down as opposed to going up. I'm trying to think of how to describe this the best, but yeah, no, that makes sense. If you if you give a tenant a deal and the income is yeah. 35 grand instead of 40 grand a year, because we're using that that income to drive the price at the end of the day, you're dropping your your market value. That's right. That's right. So every kind of area has their their cap rate. So for example, in Abbotsford, you're you're somewhere around uh, four and a half to five. I would say is about today's market rate, if you have a real strong tenant, uh, you would probably be able to get that cap rate lower. So a cap rate is, is probably goes against what you would think is uh, normal. So lower the cap rate, the higher the price is going to be. And uh, so for for sellers, they're obviously always trying to get uh, the lowest cap rate and buyers are always trying to get the higher cap rate. So um, if you're selling a, a quality product right now in, in Abbotsford, a 45 to 5% cap rate is likely where you're going to see it land. Um, people will probably price it in the lower fours, and uh, I have hit some uh, into the threes, but those are you know have anchor tenants in there, such as a Starbucks or somebody like that that's in a, a long term lease. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that and like I said, every area has uh, has their cap rate. So Chilliwack would be a little bit different than Abbotsford, and Langley is a little bit different than Abbotsford as well. And everywhere in the Fraser Valley has uh, slightly closer to Vancouver, you get the lower the cap rate is going to be. Let's just I, I want to break this down into grade two language, just. For the sure. for anybody who's listening to cap rate and going, I still doesn't I don't know what that means. So if a property is renting for let's just say ten grand a month, okay, yep. there's a hundred and twenty thousand dollars of income, not including here's another terminology that some people may not be familiar with, but the triple net, right? But let's say there's yep. hundred and twenty thousand dollars there of regular rent. How are you taking that and establishing uh, using that for a a price and a cap rate? Yep. So when I'm evaluating property, I'll look at that 120,000. Uh, so if it's a, uh, let's take Abbotsford, um, you know, middle of town, it's got tenants in there for five years remaining. So comfortable lease that you know uh, what the predictable income is going to be over the next five years. So if it's 120,000 that you're netting, mm-hmm. if we were to divide that by 0.045 cap rates, so mm-hmm. 4.5 cap rates, um, so you divide it, you you have an evaluation of 2.67. Uh, million dollars of where the properties work based on the income. So really, really what we're saying is the net income is representative of four and a half percent of the value of the purchase price. Correct. Correct. Right. That, that, that's yeah. another way to say it. And, yeah. and it, there's times when expected cap rates in certain markets would have been seven, eight, nine, 10%. It just so happens that for Abbotsford commercial real estate right now, what you're saying is buyers are willing to buy property where the yearly net income is representative of about four to four and a half percent of the purchase price. That's right. Yeah. So they know what their yield is. Now, again, when evaluating, you always have to still look at the property as well. So I'll, I'll look at it from usually three different angles. So I look at it from the income approach, and then I look at a building approach, and then I'll also look at uh, internal rate of return, which is another level, but uh, we'll leave that one for now. So, But this yeah. isn't all that's going on. So then... Exp- so. We know now from, you know, years of having observed this, that 
there's properties that sell, you know, based on capitalization rate. But then there is there's enough purchases out there that you can observe where people go like they're throwing the cap rate out and they're buying because they want to just land bank and hold that property based on speculation. Are you that's right? And are you seeing that a ton? in your world and and how's that impacting you know your day-to-day like where where are you coming in contact with that yeah so we're we're seeing that uh trying to think the most recent so i had somebody for example that definitely overpaid for for a building but it was because they were going to eventually be owner occupiers so for them that the cash flow for the next four years they knew what it was going to be there's no renewal rights within the lease so they felt okay it's better for us to buy this building now. We're getting some income at least. We're way overpaying for it, but we're getting some income at least now so that we know in four years we have a home for our business. Yeah. And currently they were tenants somewhere else, giving somebody else a paycheck or a check every month. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But because inventory has been so low over the last few years, it's uh, it's the only way for them to get a chance to get something in the future. And even if they decided in a few years, you know what, we, we're not going to move in. We're not going to move our business there. They'd be able to get a tenant. And there was enough upside based on what I could tell from projections of where I think the, the lease rates were going that they could be just fine in the big, big long run anyway. So whether or not they occupy it or not uh, in the future, they're going to be just fine, even though they're overpaying for it today. And what did they, were they overpaying by like what, 5%, 10%? How did you feel? Yeah, they're about, uh, I would say about 12% over based on the income today. But again, that's a cap rate is looking at today's income. It's not really taking into account too much of the future. Yeah. So again, I, you can look at you know if the, if a lease was done seven years ago and they're still still in the middle of their ten year term, more than likely those rates are lower than what today's market value. Is. Yeah. If if there's been no scale to lift it for sure. So there that's that's where you would probably find someone overpaying based on what the income is. They know that they can bring it up in the future, and like we said earlier, the the net income goes up, therefore your value goes up. Interesting. And are you seeing this more in one sector like? Uh, my my perception is that industrials going gangbusters, commercial maybe not to the same degree. Is that do you feel like that's an accurate statement? Yeah, that, that's very accurate. Industrial makes honestly no sense right now. It's unbelievable what we are seeing out there, and it's because of the lack of inventory. So uh, prices are just constantly going up. Uh, like for example, when I first got into real estate, you could buy an industrial acre for seven hundred thousand, uh, which was a zoned one acre piece with with gravel on it. That was in 2000, 2014. That's right. Yeah, sorry, 2014. Yeah. So now in today's rate, uh, 2021, we just hit the, it hasn't actually traded at this price, but it's listed right now at $3.8 million for the for something that would be very similar to that. Yeah. And it's it's incredible. Like, you know, in seven years to see that kind of a jump is yeah pretty, pretty drastic. But we had, you know, there's dynamics with ALR not coming out and other issues that are posing uh, the squeeze on the properties and therefore creating more of a demand for it. But it's pretty hard to make the performance work at uh, a 3.8 per acre. Okay. So you just jumped into another thing I wanted to tag on the ALR. So I'm, if we look at a bird's eye view of the entire lower mainland and just said, okay, where are, where, where are we going to go? Like where, where can we handle growth and expansion, whether you're talking uh, residential or specifically industrial, isn't that isn't the ALR the single greatest issue in this conversation? It's definitely up there. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's just so constricting 
for what we we can't do anything. I mean, we're we're in a unique position here in BC. We got water on one side, we got the border on the other. Uh, we got mountains that's unusable land that way for development as far as industrial. So we, we've got all these unique factors that are coming into play. Yeah, the ALR is definitely restricting any development. The ALC seems to be very the agricultural land reserve is managed by the Agricultural Land Commission, which yeah. is the ALC. And so the ALC has made it very clear that they're not interested in letting any any of the ALR land out. Uh, we have seen in the past chunks of land, so a five-acre chunk, for example, will get taken out after a lot of work by a buyer to, uh, or a, sorry, by a landowner. But they'll say, okay, we'll we'll let you take that five acres out, but we want to see a three-to-one ratio of land going back into the ALR. Right. So, and it has to be within the same municipality. Uh, so we've seen groups, you know, uh, B&B contracting is one, for example, that... Uh, successfully got some land out but it, it cost them a lot to put uh, to take that five out to put another chunk back in did b&b get a piece out is that what you said yes yeah they were successful in that but that was again going back to 2013-14 now uh when i was just getting into it but i haven't seen anything since then hmm. come out so yeah not uh not a very uh or the process of it is very difficult uh they're very close-minded and yeah they just seem to uh to hold all the cards I was involved in one piece. This is going back, actually, probably like, I don't know. It was, it was around 2010, 11, 12. Tried to get a piece out. And it seemed like you heard these stories, like what you just said, like, oh, B&B contracting got a piece out. So you knew, you know that it happens. But then journeying that road for like two years with, I would say, uh, you know, well-intentioned. We had, we had the right people at the table, you know. We did what we thought we were supposed to do. It just seemed like this endless web of secrets and and half truths. Like when you're trying to get it done, like you just, it felt like it wasn't. It felt like the stories we heard, you know, it was possible. But then once you got into it and you actually started to do what you thought you were supposed to do, you just felt like you're chasing your tail the entire time. And so it wasn't yep. before long we just pulled out. We thought, okay, well, clearly this game is not rigged for us. It might be rigged for somebody else, but it was not rigged for us in that moment. Yeah, you, you, you essentially need, like, the you know, the, the example of the group that I gave earlier, like, they actually had a specialist, and this was his full-time job, was just to work on this project and get it out. I mean, he came with years of uh, expertise behind him, and, again, it was a grind even for him to get it out. So, you know, for an average group to go in there, yeah, they're going to make you chase your tail a bunch of times and do it a whole bunch of different ways and then tell you no. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a whole rigmarole that... Uh, usually more pain than what it's worth. You just need some incriminating evidence on the right people. Yeah. That, that can help. Exactly. That, that's really yeah. what specialty is. Yeah, exactly. It's having those Christmas parties and having those photos. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. How often are you using LOIs prior to contracts? Pretty regularly. I, I do it a lot in, in leasing. Um, again, just because I'm trying to get to the nitty gritty of what are we but let's just get down the nuts and bolts of a deal and not waste anyone's time. So I'll use letters of intent. I would say a few times a week, especially when I'm dealing with, like, for example, right now I'm, I'm working on Windsor Industrial, which is a, a big industrial development here in Abbotsford. So I got 60,000 square feet there. So every time I get a tenant that wants to be there, I'll just speed up the process, write out an LOI. Here's the terms. Either you can meet this or you can't. Yeah. 
So, so I, I do use LOIs a lot. The other time that I'll use it if, uh, is when I'm doing business brokerage. So I don't do a ton of it. Charles and, and Kat, our assistant, uh, they more specialize with the, the businesses, but yeah. because we as licensees can't do anything when it comes to a share, uh, purchase agreement, essentially we're creating an LOI that two lawyers are then going to take and take it to the finish line. So yeah, that's where LOIs would come into play. Your pet, when you're making up an LOI, like even with your tenant, situation or example you're just pounding out like hey price term here's like the 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 high level basics and then are you if there's an agreement are you then creating that contract with your own stuff or are you oftentimes flipping it to lawyers and still letting lawyers do it uh in this case i i would do it on my own if it's if we're talking about windsor industrial for example uh, if i have the loi to the point where yeah both sides have agreed to what the terms are going to be i'll then take that put it into a formal lease and then just get both sides to execute or put into a formal offer to lease if there's another agent involved um, that, you know, we, we just take the, the nuts and bolts of what we just hammered out and then put it into the, the formal lease, which has all the, the legal jargon around it. From there, a tenant will likely get a, a legal review done of it along with their lease documents. We have an offer to lease in our world and then there's a formal lease as well. So Yeah, which is, which is drafted by the lawyer anyway, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I've often, I've, I've sometimes been, um, what's the word jealous of, of what you, you know, people like yourself get to do in the commercial world where I feel like sometimes some of the liabilities actually lifted from you versus a residential situation because you get to release yourself from the drafting of the contract, which I, I think is amazing. I mean, I know you still do it. You still do contracts, but there's situations where you just, you get to go, Hey, you know what? This isn't my this is my department. Lawyers do this, and um, and now you're not leaned on on for that, which is amazing. Yeah, no, it's definitely kind of nice to have. I mean, the reality is, I'm dealing with sophisticated parties usually on both sides, and and the other side of it is, you know, a lot of people get offended. Well, you you know, you, you do so much double ending. Well, when the tenant and the landlord have in house legal because they're such big entities, totally. Uh, I'm not pulling strings or pulling any wool <laughs> yeah. over anyone's eyes. It's uh, the the lawyers are right there and they know exactly what's going on. Just so, fooling um, everybody and taking all the commission, dirty little Marty. Yeah. That's what he's doing. <laughs> just yeah, just just the grease ball. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally <laughs> screwing the lawyers and the clients all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so. that's. So, is there usually a um, what what's a flag for you where you go like I don't want to be doing this contract. I want to pull a lawyer in. Like other than a share sale, is there something that usually you you get to and you and you kind of just have that go off in your brain or what what starts that for you well like fortunately to where i've gone in my career I've, I've actually made uh friends with a lot of lawyers which is great because i i'm leaning on them a lot uh or i i'm creating something and i'm like Ugh, i just need to float this path a lawyer and, and fortunately I, I have good contact that way so I'm, I'm in a great spot where i can phone people and uh, you know i don't get billed every time I, I make a call to them which is nice so I can just say, hey, look, this is high level what the situation is. What do you think? Yeah. It, it's amazing how uh, how a few lunches <laughs> go a long way in in, uh, in having relationships with that. So, you know, I, I for the most part, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of things now, so I'm, I'm more comfortable than I was probably four or five years ago. But uh, but it is nice to be able to, you know, when you get to a certain point of like, oh, you know what, I better advise you to get legal advice on this. And, you know, I'll always give my my little excerpt of where I think the issue could lie. 
Mm-hmm. And I'll just say, take this to your lawyer just to double check, but this is what I think. And uh, nine times out of 10, it's accurate anyways, but I, I always feel better when I've advised the client to, to do that. So, Good transition here. I, w- I want to know who you're greasing with lunches, lawyers, what other, what, who, what other people are important to you? Yeah, so... Uh, city Mayor, city good. hall, city yep. staff. Who's who's yep. on your payroll? <laughs> yeah, all of them, all of them. Um, and I'll be honest. So you know, a lot of times, maybe stepping back a little bit here, but so Charles and I do a lot of things in the community. So we've emceed a ton of events for you know whatever the situation may be. A lot of uh, golf tournaments and various events around town. We also perform the anthems at the air show, and so you know the city councilors and mayors and these people see us in these other settings, and it's it's actually worked really well to our advantage because yeah. they feel okay. So when I go into city hall and I've, I've got questions and things are going on, they actually, you know, see me in maybe a different light and same with Charles. So, so a lot of people say, why do you waste your time doing that? Because <laughs> it's the best exposure I could ever ask for. Uh, and then it also gives me uh, leverage when I go into city. So I definitely have relationships that way. I mean, I, obviously you're doing the lunches and stuff as well, but, but city hall is big bankers, mortgage specialists are big. And then lawyers. Those are those are kind of my big ones. So, in my world, there's you're kind of an accountant at one point, you're a lawyer at one point, and you're a real estate agent and uh, slash developer at some point. So you kind of got to be able to answer the bell on all of those. What about what about uh, environmentalists? Are you working those too or no? Yeah, not, not I mean, so much. Not bit of a, bit much, of a weird I mean, bunch, those people, right? They, <laughs> yeah, they're they're kind of a breed of their own, as we know. <laughs> yeah, they're. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely have relationships with them, and yeah, environmentalists. There's some else that I just thought of and gone blank here, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, 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 all those people. That was no, that to, was your maturity, call. Marty. You were going to say something inappropriate, and you held it in. It was very, very good. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is honestly. I put the filter on before you phone. It's uh, I mean, you know me well enough now that uh, I definitely have one of those. So. Good, you're doing good so far. We're like, what are we? We're 40 minutes into this, and you haven't slipped up. You're amazing. <laughs> Appraiser. That's what I was going to say. Appraiser. Oh, appraisers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Commercial appraisers are also very good to have in your back pocket. And, you know, not that you're trying to manipulate a deal one way or the other, but they will quite often lean on my advice when they come through of what do you think rates are and what are, you know, what are things doing so they can incorporate that into their report. So it is nice to, to have good relationships with them. And those appraisals are an absolute boatload of money. Commercial yeah, very, appraisals. very different than residential. Yeah. Like yeah. Like, give me, throw some numbers out. I kind of have an idea, yeah. but give me, give me some numbers. Yeah. You're on average, I'd say between two and 3000, uh, for, for the average appraiser. Oh, I, I was, I've actually seen one recently that was like over five grand. Yeah. Depending, I guess, on what it is yeah. uh, and how complex it is. But I would say the average in my world, I think okay. is between okay. two and 3000, you know, again, there, there are exceptions to that for Keep sure. Keep in mind, residential appraisals are like 400 bucks or whatever they are. Yeah. So we're talking that, 10 that's times. Honestly, the, quite often when I when I hear that from uh, people, I kind of chuckle because, you know, I, I'm always looking for the card of how much experience does somebody have on the other side of the deal. And every so often I'll get someone like that that will just say, uh, yeah, I was expecting four to 500. <laughs> okay. So I know what I'm up against now. But uh, yeah. But yeah. the other side of it is that they take forever. Uh, so, you know, residential, you can do pretty quick, but uh, commercial appraisals take anywhere between four and five weeks. So so you've got these relationships with these people that you're lunching and dining and whining and singing for and, you know, all of the things that you do. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, 
You ever do bar mitzvahs or no? Just just air shows? No, no, I've, I, I just, you know, I got asked that, Andrew, and I decided not to. So. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good decision. <laughs> what What are you doing to drive revenue? So you have these relationships, which are are key, but is there like do, like do you you'll hear the word database used in in the real estate industry or you know, I don't know if you're doing something equivalent in your world, but what are the things that, that you do in order to plant seeds to drive drive revenue? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I I don't have a, a set system for, for that. And I, to be honest, that's probably the biggest uh, op- area of opportunity in our, our world of for our company. So we we have just been fortunate enough that we've created ourselves as the local experts. Obviously, there's other commercial players around, but uh, we hold a ton of listings. We hold on average between 40 and 50 listings at a time. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're constantly uh, growing from that. And because people will phone in naturally on whatever it is that they're looking for, because they see our names everywhere, it just organically keeps spreading. And it, it, we honestly have a hard time keeping up to what we have. So we don't cultivate too much to expand on that. But it is something that if we did do, I can only imagine where it would go. But uh, right now we're we're a team of three, and we're doing the best we can as a team of three. And I don't I don't know that we would want to uh, push too much further. So uh, definitely an area of opportunity, but it needs to be done at the right time. So what do you do? Okay, so you take a listing. Uh, well, let's just say you get whatever you get. You get the listing of all listings, downtown Abbotsford, a a location, you know, killer building, whatever it is. Are you bringing that, you've got to be bringing that to people within your network before you're just hitting MLS with that, aren't you? Well, no. I mean, half, uh, half the it, stuff well, never even goes to MLS, does it? No, it's true. I, I, I would say a small percentage of what I do is on MLS. Uh, when I'm on the listing side, I make a commitment to my group that I'm going to put it on MLS. I'm going to put it everywhere because our philosophy is let's throw mud at the wall and see where it sticks. So we have a list of, you know, call it 10, 12, whatever the... Um, the, all these various sites are that we're going to plug it into. And then... You mean like Western Investor, like different commercial avenues to market stuff? Is that what you mean? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Space yeah. list. Uh, yeah. So, you know, in, in commercial, we don't always use MLS. In fact, we don't use much at all. That's why we don't, don't do a whole lot through MLS. So for us, we don't have a one-stop shop to look at to see the majority of the listings. So we have to literally put it everywhere to try and get attraction for people. And so when we're on the listing side, that's our job is to put it everywhere so that we can bring as much traction and uh, validity to the to the listing as possible to get the offer that makes the most sense. So uh, that's our philosophy. That's not the philosophy of every commercial brokerage. Uh, there's most com- commercial brokerages will not use MLS. Yeah, they just they hide the ball. Will, yeah, they do. They hide the ball, hold the yeah. cards close to the chest. And it's a bit of an old man's game that way where you're... <laughs> We're, we're trying to change that uh, mentality, but uh, it's just reality that they play by their own rules and it's, it's very frustrating at times. They can opt to, to not cooperate, which sometimes you see. You know, I've had a couple of residential agents over the years phone me because they say, hey, I'm trying to do a deal with so-and-so and he's now essentially told me he's not going to cooperate or he's going to give me a 0.25% mm-hmm. referral on this. How do I deal with that? Yeah. Well... That's, again, because they've sized you up and down, realized they're going to do the lion's share of the work here to get this over the line, and mm-hmm. they're going to tell you to go collect it on the other side. So very different uh, very different worlds coming together, and I totally just segued right off of your question. I don't remember what the original one was. No, 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 but you, you went into something good anyway, because the in, in your world, th- this is a reality, is that 
if you are running around with a buyer looking for something, you know, particular or unique or whatever, you need to have your buyer. I shouldn't say you need. It helps a lot to have your buyer on side to pay you whatever you want to be paid. Because if you phone these guys up and say, hey, do you have this? The first thing that many of them are thinking of is, well, my answer might depend on whether or not you want a hundred grand in this deal or not, or whatever the commission is, right? Yeah. That I, I've I've seen that I've experienced that I don't even play in your in your field, but the the odd times that I have, it's amazing how things just open up if you say, hey, don't worry about my fee, I'll get taken care of by the buyer. And then all of a sudden, the information starts flowing. Yep, it's definitely if you can, it's a smart play, and a lot of buyers are willing to pay it to get the information. So yeah, totally. In, in our world, it's all obviously what you know is uh, is is huge, and that's why a lot of people that come into it don't generally take off or stay too long because you have to have all the relationships know the inside scoop of what building is going where and what tenants are shifting from this spot to that spot uh, you have to know all that and you have to be able to talk about it pretty quickly because generally the people that you're talking to are just as sophisticated as you so your buyer might know just as much as or in my case uh, my buyer would know just as much as i do i'm just confirming what it is that is that they're thinking and uh, strategizing with them on things that they probably already know. So I'm just there to help facilitate it at that point. Mm -hmm. So someone coming in that doesn't have all that experience, you then have to justify to your buyer what it is that you're doing and why do you deserve to be paid whatever it is you're asking to be paid. Uh, revenue, were we talking about revenue street? No, activities to drive revenue. Is that before we went down the rabbit hole That's of right. commission? That's right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's Marty, he's always thinking about the money. It's all, it's where he goes every time. <laughs> Yeah, classic. <laughs> I can't. I can't. We got sidetracked. We got totally sidetracked. It was. I had. I had asked you about. Yeah, activities to drive business, and then somehow we got spun onto commissions and whatever. I don't know. I don't. I don't know where to pick that up again. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you're blanking. I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I'm just gonna let you hang here for a second. <laughs> That's amazing. I know we were on a good thread too. We we're on such a good thread, and then we're. Uh, where I should have been, I should have been writing notes. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We'll switch gears. Okay. So where does this, uh, paint a picture? Where does this go for you? You've done this now 2014, so seven years. What do you, what do you like? What do you not like? And then if you could shape the next five to 10 years, what does Marty Peters commercial real estate career, uh, shape into? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I definitely enjoy the project side of it. So I've, I've had a chance over the years to do, uh, a couple of bigger projects, one being Central Park Village it's on Gladwin Road. We put trading posts. Oh, you did Gladwin all that? Was that for Kevin? Yeah, for Weeb? Yeah. Was that? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, that's cool. right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so we did all that. And I, I just love that experience. I, I thought it was great. And I'm proud of it. I have mean, you had trading post now. wings? You yes, just, I have. You just triggered. You said trading posts. But thank you for putting them in there because they do great wings. They They do. I mean, they're kind of weird. They're, they're like the big wings. It's the like full. Not, uh, it's the full thing, yeah. man. You, there's the, yeah. the the little the little thing on the end is still there, and it, <laughs> it looks scary when it comes to the table. But you gotta just trust that it. it's delicious. <laughs> I, like, what is this T Rex looking thing in front of me? Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, it does look. A, it looks a little prehistoric. It does. It absolutely yeah, yeah. does. Yeah. <laughs> so you did. You filled up that whole all glad that whole. Uh, what's it called again? It, Central Park. Central Park, Central yeah. Park so Village. Trading Post, there's like sushi in there, there's a barber, there's, I mean, there's all kinds of people in there. Yeah, Spinco, Pharmasave, Afterthought. 
Yeah, we, we put a bunch of things in there. And, and I was actually extremely proud of that one because originally they had that listed through a Collier's agent. And, uh, and they were, they were not happy. So they interviewed a couple of agents to take it over and we were one of them. Yeah. We ended up winning that listing and ran with it. And, uh, so that was kind of my baby to, to look after there. And I, I just, I don't know, I, I just am so proud of it. And, and I mm. love going there now and seeing all the tenants and giving back to their businesses and knowing that I was a part of it. So I love that. So I'd love to do a lot more of, uh, project specific like that if I can. Like where you bring the dirt to the developer right from the get-go, do the deal, developer builds, whatever, hundreds of thousands of feet, you lease it out. Yep. That's, that's a right. dream. That's a dream scenario. I love that. Yeah. I'm, so I'm doing that very thing right now in Chilliwack. And I, it's just exciting to be a part. So I'm at the very early stages, still in the dirt stages right now. Yeah. But just, yeah, talking about what that's going to look like over the next five years, What are, who are the tenants that we want to really target after? Just being a part of that that process all the way through is mm. um, is a lot of fun. So I, I like that. I'm also obviously, like I said, talked about Windsor Industrial. It's another big one for me. So put a whole bunch of tenants in there. And uh, again, just being able to go to the bricks and mortar. It's not even built yet, and I know that uh, I've got it all leased out. It's very uh, very exciting, and I, I enjoy that uh, that kind of stuff. So I'd love to do a lot more of that going forward, as opposed to just smaller leases. Excuse me, I have something in my throat here. One sec. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Time out. Oh, you got to love the mute button, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't hear that colorful arrangement that just happened. No, but we're not editing this part out, so we all know you did something <laughs> gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, well, you know what, ladies and gentlemen, that's Marty. Peter, right? <laughs> that's Marty. He's kind of <laughs> gross. That's what it is. Yeah. So I've actually had, the, my allergies have been driving me nuts in the last couple oh, of days. I'm surprised I haven't like had a full-blown attack in the, in the 45 minutes we've been talking because all day today, it was just an absolute disaster. Yeah, that'd be me too. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, when you wake up in the morning, it's going to oh, be that day. Yeah. I, I woke up just caked, couldn't breathe, mm-hmm. eyes half swollen. <laughs> it's just, yeah, sometimes when that pollen hits the air, like you're, you're done. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We should go back to the chicken wing conversation. <laughs> Is so the thing I like about the wings at Trading Post is and this is key in in wing world. We got a lot of you know chefs and cooks in our uh, in our in our brokerage, so maybe they have some opinions on this. But I hate when you cook a wing and then you sog it up with the sauce, right? Like you want that oh, wing to be crispy. Yeah. So what yeah. they do, they 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 deep fry the wing. You know, it's seasoned nicely, and then you get your sauces on the side, and now you can dip at the table. But the wing hasn't been made soggy, which is just like, of course, it's earth shattering in the wing conversation. It's very, very good. Yeah. You, you need the ratio. It has to be an accurate ratio and it's got to be fresh. Yeah, it's, yeah. And they are a little bit like they do the full, there's something, are they, they're called the tips. Those are the tips that they, that you normally see cut off wings, right? You got your drums That's right. and your flats, yeah. but then they do the whole prehistoric wing, not cut into sections and they leave the, the tips, which is what you were referencing where they look a little bit, a look, a look, a look a little bit weird. <laughs> Speaking of food, I'm excited to announce and uh, everyone should know we're getting a new Mexican restaurant in Abbotsford. Oh, uh, which this? is exciting. Yeah. We have not had a good Mexican restaurant here. and I couldn't tell you one. So it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a nice blend of, they're going to have the El Nopal style where you got, you know, kind of the American version of Mexican. And then they're going to have the authentic <laughs> as well. What so, do you mean? American Mexicans not authentic? What are you trying to say? Well, uh, <laughs> I don't 
I don't know if this part will get edited out, but I mean, they, on their on their menu, it's called a wet burrito. Like, come on, <laughs> like what? We're definitely not editing that out. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just it's just a, a bowl of uh, like a, a, a oh, cylinder of slop like, oh yeah they just give you like this cylinder of a cesspool that's just oh, in front of you so that's this like this restaurant does that you're saying well they're gonna have so some like you have to cater to both sides yeah right? yeah so totally I they're gonna it. have a little bit it. of that but then they're also gonna have the authentic side too and uh, so yeah, so that's coming to South Ways away, and I'm I'm very excited. These do these people already run a Mexican restaurant? Like they've been doing this? Uh, no, they're coming from. Uh, they have lots of restaurant experience, but yeah. they felt that the market needed a, a Mexican restaurant, and so that's the area that they're going to pursue. And uh, so they've got actually some Mexican chefs that they've just hired, and they're just going through the the tenant improvements right now on the building and getting ready for uh, most likely September October open. So, oh my goodness! So here, yeah. this is this is gonna. So it sounds September October. So in the fall, we're doing. Uh, for those interested, we're doing Margs and Mexican Night uh, at Marty's new restaurant. Can you say the name of it, or you don't know the name, or is that not public yet? I, I won't say it quite yet because she was she had it narrowed down. I think she knows which which one she's gonna pick, but uh, I don't know yet. So I, I I best not say it quite yet. Okay, but follow up with me in a few weeks, and I'll I'll have it for you. That sounds amazing. I love good. Mexican. I don't like bad Mexican, but good Mexican is incredible. So where's El Mapel? Is that good or bad Mexican? I, I would call El Mapel disgusting. Like I would call it, well, it's it just, no, it's not just, it's just like, it's just kind of sloppy, greasy, right? Like it's just, uh, yeah. whatever. It's mass market Mexican. It's not real authentic. Right. Mexican right. is what I would say. Not, I'm not trying to proclaim that I'm a Mexican food specialist, but you know, Basically, I judge it like if I go home at the end of the night and I feel terrible, that's not good Mexican. But if you can go home and feel great, then that should be good. Yeah, it's true. If you're walking in with a bottle of Pepto with you, uh, it's probably <laughs> yeah. not a good place. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But their karaoke is phenomenal. You can't compete with that. Oh, that'd so. be a riot, hey? If we do like an, a little office, uh, like a little party at, at the oh, Mexican be, place with karaoke. Great <laughs> time. Not going to lie. Do you got any, you got anything else? Any other hot leads coming that you've uh, that you've set up that we can look forward to? Um, I'm trying to think what else is uh, nothing really. I, well, downtown Abbotsford, uh, there's a building there that's uh, just been completely renovated with a furniture shop back in the day, and someone that you and I both know there, Andrew, has, has completely renovated it. Oh yeah, yeah, it beautiful, yeah. beautiful building, and so we got some lovely uh, decor stores coming in there. So, like home home decor kind of stuff home decor yeah yeah and then uh he, he's actually done a really unique thing so for downtown Abbotsford, we have nothing like this in fort langley you see little alleyways and they've created storefronts at the rear of alleyways well that's like our fort lang our fort langley office right is in the back that's of a exactly. in the back of a building yeah yep. yep that's exactly it so uh, this guy's done that model so he's created like this whole alleyway there's a little bench that he's created at the back with a couple of lampposts that one leans into another one to represent a, a couple and um yeah so it, it, he's he's done a really good job there so yeah so I'm, I'm excited for that building it's called the davenport only have uh, one space there remaining on the top floor so all the the ground retail has all been leased out so excited for for that as well and when are those people all moving in like are they starting in summer or fall when will they be operational so one company they're called box of bonbons and they do they manufacture chocolate and have a little bit of a coffee and some baked goods, but uh, really chocolate is what they do and what they're going to focus on. So they're well into their TIs. So they should be ready by August, I would say, for, for opening. 
if not even earlier. Uh, the other tenants are still waiting for permits through city. City, we're seeing about a three to four month delay, so hmm. likely the fall for those ones. Anything else you want to talk about? I've had you almost an hour. You're a busy guy. Do you got to go, or you want to you want to talk sports or food or anything? <laughs> we can talk about anything. Well, I mean, I, I'm sure I got to go off to my next building and see my intimidating, uh, you know, presence you gotta, somewhere else. But, you uh, got some psychopath that's broken into a building somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I just, yeah, excited to be on here, and it was, uh, it was fun to talk uh, commercial real estate. And I, I, I think the biggest thing with, uh, with what I could say out there is, if you're gonna get into commercial or do anything commercial, just give me a shout. Uh, happy to chat it through and um, make sure you're not putting yourself into any hot water. I, I mean, I like hanging out with you and joking around and having fun, but I sincerely appreciate your knowledge and professionalism, and uh, I think it's sweet what you've done. Um, in the market here too, you had mentioned that the, in the Abbotsford market, the commercial, you know, a lot of the commercial guys have been around for a while, but to my knowledge, I think you're the only younger guy who's kind of come around in the last, what, five, 10 years. Like, is there anybody else doing what you're doing in Abbotsford? Like who's, who's like you, like your demographic? I know we have a lot of guys who've been around for, like we have guys in our office who've been around for a while and other brokerages as well, but you know what I'm saying? You seem like to be the only guy. Yeah, I think so. Like around here, again, there, there's other players from other uh, from the bigger houses that come in and out from time to time, but don't really have a a, a real grasp on Abbotsford. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, I'm, I've kind of taken Abbotsford, and I'm really trying to get my digs into to Chilliwack more as well because I just see opportunity out there as well. So, uh, yeah, definitely, I, I would say the the, the competition uh, spectrum is rather low. So it's uh, you know, and is everyone going to love working with me? No. So, you know, is there, is there room for everybody in here? Yeah. So all I can do is the best I can do. And, but I would say, yeah, I just have my style of how I like to work with people and either people relate to that uh, or they don't. But for the most part, it's, it's, it's mine for the, the taking, which is nice. Mm, awesome. Well, I like hanging out with you. Thanks for your time, dude. And yeah, uh, no we're problem. going to get pretty soon. We got to go eat some uh, prehistoric wings or some, uh, some good Mexican food. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll connect before the fall. Yeah, yeah, we'll see you over yeah. the summer. <laughs> yeah, okay. sounds good. Thanks, bud. All right, Kate. Yeah, Have a good day. Bye. You too. Bye. There we go. Marty Peters, great guy, wealth of information, really good at his job. And uh, I can say from having talked to many of them, uh, really deeply respected and admired by uh, his clients, the people he works with. So we've got him right here in our back pocket at Remax Little Oak. If anyone needs help with anything commercial, we got others as well, but Marty's uh, Marty's a great guy to reach out to and uh, have as a resource. So there you go. Stay cool, everybody. The weather's hot. Summer's begun. Hope you're doing well. We'll chat again soon. Bye for now.